The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. That, that is so neat. And you don't even see these guys fighting in the hallway. I mean, it's just really, really neat. And so praise the Lord for that. Hey, thank you for coming and supporting John and Mandy as they became husband and wife the other night. For those of you that were able to come, I, I would dare say as far as the environment of the wedding, uh, it's probably one of the most interesting weddings that I had the opportunity to participate in simply because of the electricity. Uh, there was uh, uh, something happening out here uh, on the pole, and all of a sudden now the electricity started blinking on and off as uh, uh, things were taking place there. And, and, uh, and, 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 you know, somebody said that as they were playing the organ, I guess because it was plugged into the electric, that it was almost like in sync. Did you see that? That's, that's what somebody told me, that, you know, the lights were going, ink, ink, you know, as the organ was going, ink, ink, and so we had an ink, ink wedding. And, and so, but it was, it was really neat. And Brother Mason, I commend you again, sir. You did such an outstanding job. Uh, because when the electricity would pop off, uh, you know, of course, that means the sound system's going down. You hear that pop. And then uh, uh, only a sound man would know to do this in advance, I'm sure. But uh, so he lowered all the microphones so that when it would come back on, it wouldn't pop again. And he, he gradually took it back up. And so I appreciate his expertise in that area. And, uh, but just, uh, just a fantastic, fantastic wedding. Uh, I mean, we just did not miss a lick. John's dad is the one that actually performed the wedding and, of course, was over the rehearsal time and all that and, and just did an excellent... And that was his first wedding. That was his very first wedding. And so to be able to bite it off and then have some of those things that was kind of facing him right there, I mean, you know, he didn't look down one time. He didn't skip a beat. He didn't look down one time and say, now what do I do? You know, I mean, he just right there. And I, and I do with all the fellas, just like I did with John out here. And I'm so proud of John. You know, he, he went through and he got married, you know. And, and so, uh, but I, I asked John right outside this door, like I do with every fella. I say, look, it's not too late. It's not too late. You can get out of it right now. You can run down the hallway and I can say you got sick, changed your mind. You know, I'm sorry you came tonight, but, uh, you know, come back another time and it just might work out. He said, are you kidding me? He said, you know what it took for me to get this far? And I said, yeah, I, I know Brother Hoff, I do. I, I, know, I know what it took. And so I, I think it was just great. It was just great. So thank you for staying around and decorating. And uh, my wife and I stay uh, uh, undecorating. Uh, my wife and I stay around to try and help clean up as much as we possibly can. And so I appreciate all those that stayed. And uh, one of my grandsons, uh, Elijah, said, I, I, I want to help you, Papa. I want to help carry a chair. I want to help you. So we went back together to the choir ready room, and I said, okay, let's carry a chair together. He climbed up right in it, and he said, I'm ready. I'm ready. That's crazy. And so, uh, and so I said, okay, one time. And so I carried him in one time in the chair, and oh, he liked that. Boy, he liked that so much. And then the next time I went in, I sat in the chair and said, I'm ready. And, uh, and he, he didn't like that, and, you know, and so, but we carried it together, and then, uh, you know, just different ones. I appreciate our family, uh, all the children stay around and help, and I, I appreciate you having a servant's heart and all that did help and all that prepared the food. You did a super job decorating whole nine yards. Weddings are fun. They're just fun, especially when things go wrong. 
and you have to improvise. You know, it's always fun when things go wrong. You have to improvise a little bit just to see how it turns out, you know. And so, and I, I've never had a wedding yet that something did not go wrong. Amen. Not one. Never had, we've never had a perfect wedding, not yet. And some of you young people getting married this summer, you say, yeah, but I'm coming, I'm coming. And so we're excited about that. Jonah chapter 4, if you will. Jonah chapter 4, and look at verse 6. The Bible says, And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come over Jonah. Here Jonah is sitting outside of the city against the wall. It's hot outside, and so God even prepared the gourd. Isn't that neat how God prepared the big fish to accomplish its job in Jonah's life? Now he prepares a gourd to accomplish its job in Jonah's life. Can I tell you, God would do whatever he needs to do in order to get you to do the job you're supposed to do. God's got something prepared for you. Might be a blessing or it might not be depending on your state of obedience. The Bible says in the Lord God, or it says in the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him uh, from his grief. And so I don't get it. I just, I'm sorry, Brother Bachman, and you know your Bible well, and you can explain it to me later, but I don't get it. Why in the world was he so full of grief? I mean, he, here was a guy that had the opportunity to be able to go into a large city, 600,000, uh, probably 120,000 children. The Bible says in Jonah chapter 4 and in verse 11, didn't know their left hand from the right hand, probably children around uh, two, three, four years of age. And, uh, and here he is, he has an opportunity to be able to serve God, to be able to see God uh, change uh, the lives of people. And uh, uh, he rebelled and he didn't want to do that. And so he ran away, uh, went down, if you will, please, to Tarshish, paid, or went down, if you would, please, to Joppa paid the fare thereof to go to Tarshish. And so the Bible says he paid the fare and he went down into the interior of the ship. And I said this last week for emphasis sake that whenever you run from God, it's always a downward spiral turn. And some people don't see it. Matter of fact, Jonah didn't see it. You remember as uh, the ship was being tossed to and fro, where was Jonah? He's now comfortable in his backslidden state. You know, you can get comfortable not serving God. I've seen people get away from God and then they get comfortable in the walk that they have while walking away from God and they never get right in their life. Here Jonah is, he's in that which is the belly of that which is the ship and uh, down in the darkness of the ship and yet he's sound asleep in the ship. Uh, the ship begins to rock to and fro. And of course, he'd already told uh, them who he was. And so uh, he said, uh, you guys are worshiping the sun, the moon, and the star gods. He said, but I'm worshiping the creator God. And they knew that the creator God was bigger than any gods that they had. And so they come to Jonah. Jonah says, well, I'm the problem. Go ahead and throw me over. If you throw me over, everything could be fine. So just go ahead and throw me. Oh, they didn't want to do that. The Bible says, that they begin to row even more. 
They wanted to get closer to the shore. They didn't want to throw this guy overboard. They thought if I throw him overboard, the Bible says that they said that he was innocent blood. And so they didn't want to throw somebody innocent overboard. So they're trying to row as hard as they can against the storm and in the midst of the storm. And they realize it's not working. I mean, it's just not working. No matter how hard we try, uh, it's just not going to work. By the way, you may have somebody that's backslidden in your family or backslidden in your life. And you're rowing as hard as you can. And you're trying to help them to get right. You know, sometimes you have to give somebody to the Lord. Sometimes you just have to say, I'm trying my best, but uh, uh, me rowing in my flesh, it's just not working like it should. And, and maybe, uh, as we discussed the other night, uh, hard things come but by uh, fasting and prayer. And so sometimes you have to decide that you're going to get serious with God uh, so that God uh, can get serious with the other person. And so here he is uh, in the uh, ship and the uh, guys didn't want to throw him overboard, but they decided, okay, there's nothing else we can do. We're all going to perish anyway. And so if we're all going to perish and he's going to be one of them that perishes, might as well do it. And so they threw him overboard and God prepared a fish. Now to me, that's neat. I don't understand why people have difficulty understanding that. You know, uh, here's men that come together that are engineers and they prepare a vessel that's called a submarine that can hold hundreds and hundreds of men. Why can't you understand that the God of heaven that made those men can prepare a vessel, if you will, called a big fish that would hold one man? Amen. To me, that doesn't make any sense at all. But somebody says, well, I just don't believe God could prepare such a fish. I gave you an uh, illustration of four different times uh, in recent history when men were by that which was large fish. All right? And so we know it's possible. We know it's possible in our present day. The Bible says that he was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And according to Matthew, uh, symbolically, if you would, to be able to look at it, it was a symbol of Jesus Christ being three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then all of a sudden, uh, God brought him out. It may be that uh, uh, the whale finally got sick of the rottenness that was inside of him. And so what did he do? He vomited him up. Now, by the way, if you're in the midst of acids, for three days and three nights, if you will, those acids begin to eat away at the exterior of your skin, and your skin begins to change color. Oh, before, maybe Jonah did not want to go down and preach in Nineveh because of how they were so wicked. The Assyrians knew how to, uh, uh, how to take and crucify people and how to uh, kill people in a very slow death, much like the Romans in the New Testament. And so he knew that. Uh, uh, he knew that these uh, Gentiles, if you would, would not care for him being a Jew. And so maybe he was fearful for his life. Nowhere do you see in your Bible history where Jonah ever prior to that traveled outside uh, of his country area. So now he's going to go to a big city, a city that's filled with people that hate the Jews. He's going to go there and he's going to preach against their sin. That's not going to be popular. So there was some fears that he had. By the way, uh, in order for us to be able to serve God fully, full-heartedly, totally surrendered, it has to be a time in our life when we decide to overcome our fears. And so Jonah stepped out, and uh, now he's going down to that which is the city of Nineveh with great haste. No doubt he didn't have any trouble getting a crowd now. 
uh, the flesh that he had was very, very uh, different as uh, those that would be in that common country. As the acid had eaten away at his skin, changed the pigment, the color of his skin. Have you ever seen somebody uh, that has uh, uh, had skin that was eaten by acid and, uh, and it turns it a total different color? That's the way Jonah was. So he goes into the city. He does what God tells him to do. He begins to preach the word of God. Oh, he didn't think it was going to happen, perhaps. Don't forget, these are wicked people. Don't forget that there's not been a revival in this place. Don't forget that Jonah probably did not want the revival to take place. After all, he was running from that place for some reason. And now we see Jonah's heart in chapter 4. In chapter 4, you see that Jonah is not somebody that all of a sudden revival comes and, and now Jonah is just so excited that people are getting saved. Uh, he's not sitting outside of the city saying, wow, I, 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 I'm just so glad that God, uh, 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 through the preaching of the Bible, and by the way, can I tell you, please listen to me, the preaching of the Bible is so important. Uh, please listen as we understand how the proclamation of truth can change a person's life forever. I was traveling to River Valley Ranch in Millers, Maryland when I was a teenage boy. Uh, there was somebody that was preaching that night. I didn't know the fellow from Adam, uh, but I knew they had preaching that night, and I was a new believer, and I just hungered for preaching. I hungered for learning the Bible. I mean, I, I wanted to learn the Bible. I, I wanted to please God. And you can't please God unless you know and practice the Bible. And so uh, I saw that they had a service that night. They'd advertised it in our communities and uh, uh, among our farms. And, of course, we uh, had the farm that wasn't uh, too far from there of years ago. And so I decided I was going to go up and hear this preacher preach. He, he preached a message that night on being a sold-out Christian. I never heard anything like it. I mean, he preached about just selling out totally to Jesus Christ. And he said, if you're a believer, you know if you're not sold out or not. And I knew I wasn't sold I walked the aisle. I had just recently been saved, but I wanted to give God everything. And I got on that altar tonight. I didn't care if 100 people went. I didn't care if 50 people went. There's about 400 teenagers in that massive tabernacle that night. But I knew that God wanted me to go. And so I went down and I got on my knees and I stayed at the altar for such a long time. I didn't know I'd stayed there so long, but uh, the preacher that night, his name was Ryan Riley, and Ryan Riley came up and knelt down beside me. I guess he felt like I had a burden that I couldn't lift by myself and I needed some help. Everybody else was dismissing and we sat there and I didn't know that he was a Roman Catholic boy coming up and all the things he went through and here I was a Roman Catholic and God sends you just who you need in the time uh, that you need them. And he sat down with me and graciously and very kindly and very patiently took the Bible and helped me to grow just a little bit more than what I was prior to going to that tabernacle for that preaching that night. God began to work in my heart and ever since then it's always been a yearning. So, so it kind of baffles me a little bit. Why? I mean, here's a guy that ran from God. God got his attention. Now he goes in and he does what God wants him to do, but he don't like it. By the way, have you ever had to do something that God wanted you to do and you didn't like it? 
Have you ever had a portion of the scripture preached to you and you didn't like it? Have you ever disagreed with God? I have. There's been things that God has showed me in the Bible and I said, it does not only make sense to me, I can't make any sense out of it, but I'll be honest with you, God, I disagree with it. But I still went and did what God said to do. Why? Because God knows more than I do. My dear friend, God does not see you just for who you are today. God sees you for who you could become tomorrow. So he's preparing you today for tomorrow. He's preparing you today for the people that would cross your paths tomorrow. So as he takes you through different courses of life, don't look at it selfishly. Don't look at it and say, well, God, it's just not right. You're wanting me to do this, that, or the other, and it's just not right. It's just not fair. God knows what's fair. God knows what's right. God knows what's best. And it's always better to trust God than to trust yourself. Here's what we see as we study the book of Jonah. I'll not be long, but I want you to look at it with me, please. Jonah chapter 4 and verse 1, the Bible says it displeased Jonah exceedingly, it says, uh, and he was very angry. So here he is, he's sitting outside of the city wall. He's done his part. He goes outside of the city wall and he just sits there. Don't forget, this is the same Jonah in Jonah chapter 3 that rose up and he went down to Nineveh. Don't forget that uh, he preached that God was going to overthrow the wicked city and God was going to do it in 40 days if they did not repent. Don't forget in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 10 that uh, God did look down at the Ninevites. God did see that they changed. They turned from their ways, their wicked ways, if you will. The Bible uses the word repent there, that God himself repented of the the evil he was going to bring to them. That means that God changed his mind. And can I tell you, God has every right to change his mind. I really don't get it. I really don't get it. Man will spend every waking hour, Monday if he has a job, through Friday if he has the job, trying to please the boss. But when it comes to serving God, he gives little attention to it. Yet God is the one that extends your days. God is the one that blesses you. If it wasn't for God, you could wake up tomorrow morning being brain dead. If it wasn't for God, you might not even wake up tomorrow morning. And I think we've lost the fear, Dr. Bachman, in the, uh, in the reverential God. I think that we, uh, we play church so much and, well, I'll come if I want to come, and, but if I don't want to come, I'm not going to come, and I'll listen to the preaching if I want to listen to the preaching, but if I don't want to listen to the preaching, I'm not going to listen to the preaching. And, and, and I think what we do is we pick and choose how much we serve God, but don't forget that God will also pick and choose how much he will bless you. God is the one that extends the life. I remind you kindly of Hezekiah. One of my favorite stories in the Bible because Hezekiah was full, stricken with some type of disease or plague and he was about to die. The Bible says that he got on his bed and he turned his back to the world, turned his face to the wall, and he cried out to God. By the way, the only one that could make the difference. 
Somebody says, well, I'm okay and I don't need God. One day you will. I don't know how many people I've talked to in hospitals around America and, and they're all self-sufficient. Everything is fine. I've got a short mind. I've got a short body. I'm, 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 just, I'm just me and I can make it all by myself and all of a sudden God puts them down with cancer. Boy, do they change their tune. All of a sudden they have a dysfunctional heart. Boy, do they change their tune. You don't forget now. You can try to outrun God, but God will be there waiting for you uh, at the end of the road before you ever get there. You can't outrun him. You can't outlive him. You cannot be the one, if you will, please, to choose your life the way you want to live your life and get away with it. Oh, no, you can't. God is still God. Listen to it. The Bible says here, Jonah chapter 4 and verse 1, Jonah's pride is what we're talking about. The Bible says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. So here Jonah is, that, that person of pride. Here Jonah is, the hesitant prophet. Here Jonah is saying, well, I'll tell you what, you know, if, uh, if they get right, if I get the report that uh, it's not what I want it to be, then I want you to know I'm going to raise a fit. Well, it shouldn't be that way. By the way, you ought to thank God when anybody gets right with God. You ought to thank God when anybody comes to church. We need more people in church than out of church. There's Jonah's pride. Statement number two, there's Jonah's prayer. Look at it. Jonah chapter 4 and verse 11, the Bible says, And he prayed unto the Lord, and he said, I pray thee, O Lord. He said, uh, Was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before Tarshish. He's reminding the Lord, let me tell you, I was backslidden then, and I'm backslidden now. The Bible says right here, he says, For I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, and slow to anger, and great, it says, of kindness, the Bible says, of great kindness, and, and repentest thee, it says, of the evil. Look at Jonah chapter 4 and verse 3. The Bible says, Therefore now, O Lord, he says, Take, I beseech thee, it says, My life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah chapter 4 and verse 4, the Bible says, And the Lord said, Doesest thou well to be angry? He says, look now, why in the world are you angry? And I don't get it. I just don't get it. Why in the world is he angry? Look what God's done. God's salvaging a whole city. God is using that which is a, a prophet, a, a man of God, but yet a prophet, a man of God that doesn't really, in my viewpoint, does not deserve uh, to be used. But yet God is the one. Jonah's praying to God and reminding him statement number next you see Jonah's pride you see Jonah's prayer you see Jonah's protection look at it Jonah chapter 4 and verse 5 the Bible says so Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there he made him a booth oh I would imagine it would be oh maybe just uh, uh, something that is temporary the Bible says and he set uh, it uh, in the shadow so now it's setting in the shadow of the wall perhaps against the wall the Bible says, uh, till he might see uh, what would become of the city. So he's waiting. God, what are you going to do? I, I, I love you, but I'm, I'm serious about this. I know people that live backslidden lives, and here's what they do. Yeah, come on, God. Yeah, come on. I'm, I'm just waiting for you. 
Yeah. Yeah, come on now. I'm in your face. I'm not going to do what you want me to do. That's okay. I don't think you're going to judge me. I don't think you're going to slap me. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. By the way, I, I would not do that to God. Oh, you some, he's not slapped me yet. Let me ask you a question. How's your finances? One of the very first ways I see that God judges his children in this present day is finances. Let me ask you something else. How's the Let me ask you something else. How's your relationship with others around you? Can I ask you something else? Do you enjoy preaching like you once enjoyed uh, preaching? Or have you changed? The book hasn't changed. As far as I know, this preacher hadn't changed. So who moved? See, we understand this. We understand Jonah chapter 4 and verse 6. The Bible says, and the Lord God prepared a gourd. See, even God wants to give you a little blessing when you're backslidden to keep you mindful of the fact that he is still God. The Bible says, and made it to come up over Jonah that he might uh, be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. He's still trying to help. Jonah, you don't need to grieve. You don't need to grieve. Jonah, look, man, I used you, God says. You don't need to grieve. But the Bible goes on and it says this. It says, so Jonah was exceeding glad, it says, of the gourd. God's the one that gave him the gourd. Why is, he, why is he excited about the gourd? Does he not know the creator that gave him the gourd? Well, I just tell you, I'm, just, I'm doing so good because look at the job I got. Who gave you the job? Well, I'm so good. I got me a nice ride, man. I mean, I've got me a nice ride. It's so good. Look at my ride. Who gave you the ride? Oh, look at me, man. I got the girl. Woo! Nobody's got a girl like I got a girl. Who gave you the girl? Who made her blind enough to go with you? I'm saying this. Hey, God's been good to you. Don't take it for granted. Uh, understand that here uh, Jonah is getting the very protection of God. You know, God will even be kind. You know, uh, some of you kids are rebelling on your parents. Your, your parents ought to kick you out on your ear. But they don't. Why is that, preacher? Because God is using them right now to be good to you. You get to eat their food, walk on their carpet, sleep in their bed, enjoy their air condition. That, that's, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty good. Now, I'm saying this. Watch this, and I'm almost done. Almost as in slightly. Jonah's pride, Jonah's prayer, Jonah's protection. Here's Jonah's problem. Look at verse 7. The Bible says, and God prepared a worm. Wow, God's preparing a lot for Jonah. He's preparing a lot. In judgment, he prepares a big a fish. In trying to get his attention, to give him a little bit of goodness, he prepares him a gourd. 
but just to show that, hey, Jonah, I can use something small to take the very blessing away. He says, I'm going to prepare a worm. The Bible says in verse 7, the Bible says, and God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. God's always preparing stuff in her life. The Bible says, watch it again, in verse 8, and it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a venomous east wind. That's a fierce east wind. Wow, he prepared it. Why do you think he did that? He's trying to help Jonah. The Bible says, And the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, that he fainted. And he, uh, the Bible says, And wished in himself to die. And he said, it's, it's better for me to die than to live. You know what I find out? I find out when people, I hope you never get there, but I find out when people get so backslidden and far away from God, it's easier for them to give up on everything. Well, I just don't appreciate the, appreciate the way God's worked with me. I just, I'm going to quit it all. Welcome to the Jonah Club. You get the award. That's what Jonah's doing. Jonah's saying, now wait a minute, wait a minute, I just wish that I could die. Have you ever been so backslidden and far away from God that you don't even know why you're here? God, I don't feel, I don't, I don't feel fulfilled inside. I feel lonely, I feel destitute, I feel foreign, I feel absent uh, from your present. And then you try and put other things in there. You play more of the video games, or whatever you call them today. The electronic games, you play more of them. You try and fill it in, fill it in, fill it in. You eat 24 hours a day. You try and fill it in, fill it in, fill it in, fill it in. You try to run from fun to fun to fun to fun to fun to occupy your mind. You've got to have something on all the time because you're afraid if you have a lonely, silent moment in your life, God just might get you. So you fulfill it with everything. As you're walking down the hallway, you've got to have the music. You've got to have the buds in your ear. As you're in your bed at night, before you go to bed, you've got to have something playing in your ear. You've got to keep your mind moving so quickly because you're afraid that if you don't, God just might get in. You're wearing yourself down to a frizzle. You're getting old before your age. You don't have the energy even of your dad who's an old man. I said dad, I didn't say mom. So we see Jonah's pride, Jonah's prayer, Jonah's protection, Jonah's problem. Here's Jonah's plea. Almost done. Jonah chapter 4, verse 9, the Bible says, And God said to Jonah, Doesest thou well to be angry for the gourd? You ever see this? You ever see this? You ever see this, Doc? You ever see this? What happens is this. When somebody's not walking with God, I'm telling you, it happens. I see it all the time. When somebody's not walking with God, here's what happens. Somebody can just touch them 
and they take it the wrong way. You ever see that? Somebody can say something and it just it, it goes all over them. It's like, I can't believe it. And they get all mad. They make hasty decisions. They're very tense all the time. You, you ever see that? They'll do stuff like this. Why did you look at me that way? Why did you say that with that intent? Why did you shake my hand that? I mean, they just think everybody is picking on them. When all they've got to do is get right with their God, and God changes their spirit. Here's what we see. The Bible says, and God said to Jonah, Doesest thou, doesest thou well to be angry at a gourd? Come on, you ever see somebody lose their temper? Impatient. I'm talking about impatient. By the way, impatient people cause accidents. I was driving along, minding my own business. That's hard to do in Dallas. Driving along, minding my own business. Here comes this guy. I'm talking about quick, too. I'm talking about he came out of nowhere. Boom, comes right up behind me, lays on the horn. And so I thought, he must know me. So I waved. That was the wrong action. So he laid on the horn again. So what did you do, preacher? Well, I figured he wanted to get around me, so I slowed down. I mean, I'm, I'm serious. I'm trying to help the guy. I wasn't trying to get the guy upset. I'm thinking, okay, he must want to get around me. I'm going fast. He's going fast. He's wanting to go faster than me. I'll slow down. That way he can shoot out around me and be gone on his 150-mile-an-hour trip. Well, then he got more mad at me. I couldn't win for losing. And so finally he got, I guess, really, really mad, and he darted out around me, tried to come over on me. Well, at that time, I'm not waving at the guy no more. <laughs> Say, what'd you do? Ran him off. No, I didn't. I didn't. I did, I did not. I did not. But here's Jonah. Here, here's, uh, you're laughing because that's what you would do. No, I'm kidding. I'm just, I'm, I'm, Here's what it says. The Bible says, And God said to Jonah, Doesest thou uh, well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. He said, Look, I've got, you ever, I'm telling you, you ever see a teenager that mom and dad tells them to do something, and they say, I don't want to. And you can't make me. Well, you don't understand. That's your mom and dad. You ought to humbly, if you're living in their home, you ought to humbly obey your parents. They love you. Now, my daddy, he did love us. My daddy used to say this when we would kind of give him a little lip, and, and, and he would say, now, looky here. He said, I brought you into this world, and I can take you out of this world. And I said, now, daddy, please don't do that because I enjoy banana splits. But now, can, can I tell you this? Here's what we understand. 
here he is Jonah chapter 4 and verse 10 and 11 the Bible says and uh, said the Lord thou has had thou hast had pity on the gourd for the which thou has not labored neither madest it grow which came up in the night and perisheth in a night and should I not spare Nineveh he's trying to reason with them that great city wherein a six score thousand persons so six hundred thousand people to, or, or uh, where hundred and twenty thousand that is right here hundred twenty thousand six hundred thousand total but hundred and twenty thousand cannot discern it says between their right hand and their left hand also much cattle he says now wait a minute you're mad at a gourd and 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 then you're you're mad because i'm sparing people doesn't make any sense i know churches that split over the color of the carpet i can't believe that pastor got that color of that carpet i'm some man doesn't make any sense to me now let me tell you what could be his fix i think that jonah had some excessive amounts of pride I, i'm going to give you something real quick and i'm done i'm going to stay you're going to get out of here within 10 minutes but i want you to hear or you're going to have an invitation within 10 minutes but i want you to hear i believe jonah had a pride problem i believe that jonah was full of pride and we got to be careful because pride will destroy us what is pride pride is taking credit for something you don't deserve what is pride? Pride is thinking that you deserve to be treated better than what you're presently being treated. Pride is saying, I don't have a problem, it's the other person's problem. What is pride? Pride stops the words, I'm sorry, I've sinned, I was wrong. Pride encourages us to keep up with the Joneses. No, not the Joneses in our church, but in your neighborhood. Pride kills being thankful. Pride is wanting to run your own life, and you get mad if somebody tries to help or correct you. Pride has a hard time taking orders or seeking counsel. Pride produces fake living. Pride entices us to try something that we've never tried before to prove we can do it. Yet the Bible says this, Psalm 10 and verse 4, the wicked through pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not at all in his thoughts. Psalm 73 and verse 6, the Bible says, therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 6, Five, the Bible says, everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 49, the Bible says, behold, it says, uh, this was uh, the iniquity of thy sister, Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness was in her, in her daughter's. Neither did, it says, uh, she strengthen her hand of the poor and of the needy. James chapter 4 and verse 6, the Bible says, But uh, he that uh, he giveth more grace, wherefore God saith, Resist the proud, but give grace unto the humble. Pride says, I can do all things. 
Pity says, I can do no things. Peace says, I can do all things through Christ. We understand that God wants us not to be filled like Jonah was with pride. Here's a pride type of quiz. Are you easily offended? If you are, you probably got problems with pride. Does it irritate you when somebody corrects you for your faults? If it does, you probably are wrestling with pride. When you make a mistake, do you always give an alibi? If so, you probably have a problem with pride. Do you find it hard to receive instruction? Probably wrestling with pride. Do you mind being told what to do when it's not what you want to do? There's probably a problem with pride. Do you get upset when somebody crosses your rights? Do you seek counsel instead of making decisions in the spirit of haste? Are you grateful in your spirit? Let me give you this. What do you do if you have pride? Number one, you confess it. Go to God and say, look, I don't want to be like a Jonah. God, would you help me? 1 John 1, 9, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all, A-W-L, unrighteousness. So you confess your sins. What do you do? Serve God's people. Find somebody to serve. That'll help you overcome pride. See, it's not supposed to be about you. It's supposed to be about Christ and others. Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 through 8, the Bible says, And he made himself of no reputation, but took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What did he do? He became a servant. He served others. What do you do? Obey the man of God. Ezekiel chapter 10 and verse 3, the Bible says, And Moses and Aaron came unto Pharaoh and said, Unto him, thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. He's speaking on behalf of God. What do you do? Uh, how do you cure a pride problem? You confess it. You serve uh, God's people. You obey the man of God. Remember the blessings. God's got blessings. Remember, don't forget them. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, the Bible says, remember all the days, it says, and the way which the Lord had led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Of course, he's talking to the Israelites there, and he's telling them that they're not supposed to forget it. And what do you do? You fast your way out of it. I, 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 I really am a a believer in fasting and prayer. I think if you have a sinful problem, a temptational problem, the only way, most of the time, that you'll get the cure is by fasting and prayer. Most people in this room don't have enough character to overcome problems themselves. The Bible says, last verse I read, it says this, over in Psalm 35 and verse 13, the Bible says, But as for me, when uh, they were sick, it says, My clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting and prayer and returned into mine own bosom. So what's he saying? He's saying there's ways to be able to overcome. And I think Jonah had problems with pride from Jonah chapter 1 
all the way through Jonah chapter 4. Why is it, my dear friend, that people do not do the will of God? Well, I've got my own life planned. I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. It's my business, it's my life, and this is what I'm going to do. That's a proud person. Why don't you come to God and say, God, it's whatever you want. That's what I'll submit to. You'll be amazed how God would use you. If not, maybe God has something prepared for you. Yes, even to get your attention. Father, bless tonight we do pray. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for a time we can come together, open the Bible. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.